drama, comedy. Two sides of the same coin. Riverdale wasn't just a teen dramedy. It was a study in teenage angst, yearning, and nostalgia. They didn't know it when they started their journey, but Macintosh and Maude were on their way to a newfound obsession. Life's not like an Agatha Christie novel. It's a lot messier. Welcome to the doghouse. Riverdale Season 2, Episode 18, Chapter 31, A Night to Remember. As Riverdale High begins rehearsals for its upcoming production of Carrie the Musical, the arrival of an ominous letter forces director Kevin to make a difficult decision about the show. Okay, I feel like we've said this way too many times, but hey, Bulldogs, we're back! Ah! <laughs> Alright, you recap that recap. Archie got a new car. Chuck's taking notes about all the girls. Cheryl was crazy with Josie. Veronica lied to everybody. Allison FP got it on. Chick got kicked out. And Cheryl's gonna play Carrie. Yeah, okay, so do you know the plot of Carrie? Carrie's the girl who's always picked on in high school. She's been picked on forever. She has some telekinesis. She also has a horribly abusive mother. Uh, A repressive mother. And abusive. Yeah. And so the plot of the musical is that Carrie gets her first period, but she doesn't know what's happening. So she freaks out. Uh Uh-huh. All the other girls make fun of her. There you go. Then the teacher befriends her and explains what's happening. And then the teacher makes all the girls who are making fun of her apologize. And Sue, Snell, feels really bad because she's the good girl. And Chris, last name starts with an H, can't remember it. Uh, She refuses to apologize and she's not allowed to go to the prom now. Oh. So she's the one who concocts the uh, let's, let's embarrass her in front of everybody at prom. And Sue wants to make up be make it up to Carrie from being so mean to her previously, she asks her boyfriend Tommy to take Carrie to the prom. Ah, well. So yeah, and so then yeah. So then the thing at the prom happens, which is, you know, she gets covered in blood and then she kills everybody with the telekinesis powers. Yep. And then Carrie dies. Her mom kills her and she kills her mother at the same time. So that's for all you listeners who had no idea what was going on. <laughs> uh who are just like i've never read carrie i don't know what the, i don't know what the deal is the other thing about this is that carrie the musical was a big fucking flop the biggest flop of all time it cost a fuck ton of money and they made none of it back they also had the worst special effects i've ever heard of it was it was raspberry jello there, there were just a lot of like problems that they didn't seem to be able to overcome and this music sucks oh they're, oh, okay. it's so bad. I will give one exception, and when we get to it, I'll, you guys will know which one it is. Mm. The music is horrible. Oh, it's terrible. There's a reason why it flopped. Yeah, because it's not good. Um, which also means it's perfect for this show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we do love we love Riverdale, and uh, I, I do love this trope of a musical episode, because it's such a high school thing. Uh, it is. It's it's good. I hate it. I hate when they do this because I feel like they just do it to do it. And I I am not a fan of you putting a musical episode in something unless it really makes a lot of sense. Here's, and this didn't feel like it made a lot of sense. Uh the problem is they use the musical to force some character moments. 
And this was a lost opportunity because they could have been building to this with all their characters for several episodes. This could have been its own whole arc and they didn't do anything with it. Oh, no. This is an episode of Glee and a bad one. So an episode of Glee. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You said it. Yep, I did. I'm I'm a little bitter because it had so much potential. So we start the episode with Kevin is setting up a video camera and he's actually, we're watching what is being recorded on the camera and Kevin's sitting down to talk with Jughead and he's just like, okay, I, you know, thank you for meeting me. I want to make a behind the scenes documentary following our production. Uh, we're going to do period and seventies glamour, just like the sissy spacek movie. And I want you to be our, our videographer. And Jughead's just like, I'm in. And he just kind of like smirks at the camera, which is adorable. The whole thing is a joke about why he's not going to sing. Yes, but I'm okay with that. Yeah. I. This is one of those, they know everybody knows why Cole is will not be singing. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. It serves the character as well. Uh, and then we cut to Beefcake Archie. And Doing we... push-ups and flipping his script while he's memorizing. Yeah, I don't think anybody actually does that. Archie does. Archie does. Um, but we get Beefcake Archie, Real Housewife Veronica, <laughs> and uh, Perfect Betty. And we get our first song called In, or When You're In. I don't, I don't know the song titles that well, but that's uh, what this song is. It's just basically all about, like, I'm really worried about fitting in and being cool. That's the whole point of the song. And, you know, we just get we get a little montage of the kids getting ready for school and, you know, going about their day. In the middle, we cut to the Andrews house and Fred is saying, you know, um, I'm in between gigs. So why don't I come help build the sets for the musicals? And Archie's like, you like you want to do that? And Fred is just like, you know, I, I'm just happy you're back into music um, and I, we haven't gotten to spend time together. Yeah. So like this is like a really great like parenting moment. Thank yeah. you, Fred. Archie's super excited. Fred offers to give him a ride. And Archie kind of like does that panic Archie face. Uh, I'm going to ride my bike to school, but thanks. We cut to outside and uh, Archie starts singing his portion of this song. Ooh, he cannot sing very well. No, this this style does not work with his accent. Because uh-uh. it's coming out really bad. Uh-huh. Sorry, KJ. You're, the other songs you've sung have been pretty good. He's got punk rock songwriter voice, and he can't pull off musical. He can't He can't do the presentational musical style, no. Ethel Barb, on the other hand. Uh, just Barb? Because it's just Barb at this point. But she can sing her ass <laughs> that, off. That girl can sing. Archie has not told his dad about the car. In fact, he's parking it down the street from the house. I'm not shocked. No. All uh, of this is very obvious. Yes. And so then we get, uh, you know, we get cut to the school and the kids are singing the next part of the song. Kevin gets to sing and Casey Cott's voice is amazing. Um, turns out his brother has been in a ton of musicals. His brother took over the lead in Newsies. Yeah. So his, like, this is in their gene pool and he's wonderful. And I'm really sad he didn't get to sing more in this episode. Um, but he does get to act his ass off, which is adorable. Except what in the holy shit is this choreography? I actually thought this was pretty good. No, this is terrible. Okay. It's cheesy for sure. But I do love the whole, they're singing this song. So it, 
which is, you know, all about being cool, but there's another meaning of it where they're talking about being in. They're in the musical. They're in this group. They're doing their their vocal physical warm up before rehearsals, which is totally a thing. It is totally it's a, a thing. It's a total thing. And it looks nothing like this. Oh, I've seen them look somewhat like this. Mm. Like they're very like this is what we're going to go through. This is more stylized, but I'm okay with that. I hate it. I, I hate it so much. I'm I'm okay with it. Considering the shit we've seen before with the cheerleaders, I'm like, this is an upgrade. <laughs> I everything about this look, I'm already not a big fan of musicals. Yeah. We know this. Yeah. If you're gonna do a musical episode, First of all, pick, are you going to be doing a show within a show? Are they going to be rehearsing it? Are you going to be singing songs throughout the thing? Like, just make up your fucking mind for me, because that no. bothers me. No. What bothers me even more is that if you're going to do it, make it a little more realistic if we're going to have to watch it on television, in this storyline. You say that, but if they had done it realistically, it would be the most boring piece of shit to watch on television. Yeah. Do I want to watch people do warm-up? No. I have sat in those rehearsals. It's boring as fuck. <laughs> yeah. This was a minute, and it was visually interesting. And they ended it perfectly with them all sitting down and Kevin having been a part of the warm-up going, welcome to Carrie, the musical. I love it. I love it when it ends that way. And then we get that perfect. And then we get the... <laughs> and it's Fangs going like, hi. And he's pulling up a chair. Fangs also gets to do some adorable acting. I love Fangs Fogarty so much now. I need more Fangs Kevin friendship. Uh-huh. And it, I don't need them to be together. That's that's too easy and not realistic. I need them to be friends and I need to see that. We need to see that friendship because it's so perfect. Fangs is super cute. Yeah, oh, he's precious. Now we get into okay. We got to do our, our introductions, and this is where we learn who's playing who, and we're watching this part through Jughead's video. And, you know, it's like, I'm Archie, I'm playing Tommy Ross, the boy next door. And I'm Betty, I play Sue Snow, the good girl. <laughs> and Veronica Lodge, I'm playing mean girl Chris Harginson. And then Cheryl, standing up, being like, I'm Cheryl Blossom, and I'm playing the iconic role of Carrie White. And Josie, pissed, is just like, tone deaf. <laughs> and like there's a little like who uh, huh who said that and somebody asks oh who's gonna play your mom and alice walks in i am and betty didn't know anything about this and she's like what seriously and kevin oh my god yes it's untraditional but to me there's nothing more amateur than age inappropriate casting that's a fandom burn right there <laughs> that's like fuck all you people <laughs> i'm gonna do it <laughs> I love, I love Kevin. Ugh. It's so great. It's still stupid. Alice is being cast, but I, I like it better than them casting Barb as, as mom. Oh, that would have been awful. Yeah. That, I would have been pissed. Pissed. I, I just like that she looks at Ethel and goes, can, can you hold this for me, dear? Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Am I invisible? What the fuck? Yeah, pretty much. And Alice is just like, oh, I'm I'm really looking forward to getting to know who this woman is and, you know, get under her skin and spend some quality time with my daughter Elizabeth. But it's not... But it's just like, huh. what is happening? <laughs> and then Chuck enters the room and he's like, I'm sorry, you know, I thought we were in the other room. And uh, Kevin's like, no problem. All are welcome here. Betty like, and Veronica are going, mm-mm-mm-mm. 
Uh-huh, because they're just like, we don't like Chuck. Chuck's a horrible person, which he did a horrible thing. Yes, he did. So now we cut to the one-on-one interview. Because this whole thing is turned also into the real world at the same time. I love that. Chuck is talking to Jughead one-on-one with the video, and Chuck is trying to reform himself. He's trying to make good... Um, he, he's playing a villain in the show, but you know, he's going to show up, do the work and be a member of the team and hopefully change other people's minds about him. I'm going to go ahead and say it. What? I think he's the black hood. Chuck Clayton is not the black hood. I've got a weird theory on this and we could talk about it later. <sighs> That's but fine. You are so, so wrong. Uh, no. uh I got a feeling. No. no. I got a feeling. Tonight's it's not going to be a good night. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I played in my head and I had to say it. Okay. <laughs> I believe this with Chuck and this is earned for his character. So like, I'm I'm good with it. Now we go to another bit of video and Archie's like, you know, it's kind of weird, huh? The two of us playing boyfriend, girlfriend. And Chuckhead's like, uh, easy there, Arch. Big brother's watching. <laughs> Which is a low grade pissing contest. You know, Archie's talk he's talking to betty and just being like the four of us things are not going well we need to do this as painless as possible so we can do this play and betty just gets in his face it's like archie veronica lied to all of us you included conspiring with her parents against the entire school i mean and that's fine and you're doing exactly what tommy ross would do which is stand by her but from where i'm standing veronica is as much of a privileged selfish spiteful mean girl as the part she's playing damn betty She's not wrong. She's not wrong. I don't, I have no problem with her saying that. Like, everybody's stating the obvious in this episode. Like, I don't, I don't feel a whole lot of like, ooh, sick burn. Cause it's like. Well, like, okay. So Archie's just being like, let's just play cool. And Betty's like, yeah, we can play cool, but let's just know what's actually happening. You're, you're doing the good boy thing, but I don't know if you see this. Well, That's what Betty's saying. Because no, he's, he's Archie. He's dumb, dumb Archie, but yeah. I don't think he's as dumb, dumb as we always think he is. Hmm. All right. It's time to start their first rehearsal. And Cheryl being Cheryl. It's like, okay, I've heard some whisperings from you ensemble vultures. Love that terminology. Well done. You don't think I'm right to play or sing the role of Carrie White. So to settle this matter once and for all. Uh, and she yells maestro to the invisible piano player. Okay. So Cheryl starts singing Carrie's song and... Her voice is horrible. I'm just going to say it. Wow. I thought her voice is actually good. No, it's not the voice. It's the dubbing. The dubbing is the absolute worst fucking shit I've ever seen. That girl should have been singing live. Yes. Um, Everyone should have been singing live. Because here, nah, for some of the scenes I understand not doing it just because of the way they're filming it. For this, she should have been singing live because her mouth is too big to fake that. Uh Uh-huh. Madeline's a beautiful girl. Like, she really is, but her voice sounds horrible. Like, this is a horrible song for her voice. It just is. I really like seeing Cheryl without the makeup. Uh, She looks very much like Sissy Spacek in the movie. So Uh I I liked that. And I did like that they took this opportunity for her to have a performance that is really taking place in her own mind. Yeah. That was a nice break. Um, And then we come back and, you know... Kevin's just like, you know, wow, uh, that's great. Um, Tony's giving her a standing ovation. And he's just like, I think I speak for everybody when I say that was undeniable, Cheryl. (laughs) And a sandbag drops right next to Cheryl. (laughs) Yeah. Very creepy. (laughs) Everybody's... 
Riverdale. I have a dark confession to make. It's time for Kevin to speak some truth to Jughead's video. Uh, he's like, okay, after Cheryl's brush with death this morning, I found a letter in my locker from someone alleging to be, and I can't believe I'm about to say this, the Black Hood. It's a prank. I mean, look at it. Why would the Black Hood, who was shot by my dad, be demanding that the role of Carrie be recast? Uh, and Jughead's just kind of like, yeah, that does seem like pretty small potatoes for the Black Hood. And Kevin's just like, yeah, but you know what, Jug? You can't tell anybody about this. As official documentarian, you're sworn to secrecy. The show must go on. And that was your first mistake, Kevin Keller. Come on. You're the sheriff's son. You know better. Also, it's early enough in the rehearsal process that you can get this out there, make everything safe again, yep. and get on the road. Well, Kevin does, does, does do something smart, but we don't hear about it until later. So we're back in rehearsal, this time with some costumes, and I love Betty with the spare hair. She looks so cute. She looks great. This is the worst. You know what I realized? Mm -hmm. The music is serviceable. It's basic music. The oh. book is one of the biggest the piles of so turd bad. Oh, it's, I've ever it's so heard bad. in my life. It's so bad. Betty's singing to Tommy, and then Veronica comes in as Chris, and... You know, they're just, they're doing their thing. It's the good girl, bad girl part. Yeah. What I really like is, uh, I like how these two songs are have completely different messages and they're mixed together. That's, that's you know, a good musical thing happening. You can tell everybody is having fun doing this song. Those actors are enjoying themselves. KJ's dancing is precious. Oh, I he think He is it's... so 70s ridiculous. I love it. I think he's terrible, but... Oh, that's why it's awesome. Yeah. Uh, not that he can't dance, but that mm. this, this style is... It's just campy. KJ can't do musicals. Let's just he leave should, it there. He should not do this musical. No, I think he can dance, he but... He could do a Rent. Rent could work for him. Rent? At least. We'll get there. <laughs> yeah. If you were paying attention to the musical posters in the episode, it doesn't say rent. It says lease, <laughs> which David caught. I didn't. Then we cut to Veronica and Archie making out in the hallway. Big shot. Yeah. This would never fly at my high school. A whole lot of this stuff would not fly at my high school. Ronnie, I need to ask you something. You want me to take the firebird to Lover's Lane? <laughs> and Archie's like... Uh, uh, yeah. No, yeah. he's kind of like, uh, well, actually. <laughs> like, in the real world, Archie would have been like, fuck, no, forget this shit, let's go. Uh, Archie asks Veronica if he can park the firebird at the Pembroke and explains that he hasn't told his dad about it and he doesn't want to trigger World War Three. Veronica's like, fine, our garage is your garage. And then we cut to the Pembroke and Hiram and Hermione are... Plotting. Being super evil. Hiram's a cartoon character this episode. We hear that Hiram is really happy with how things are going for Fred. He's running a family values platform and his whole family has abandoned him and Mary's gone. Thank God. <laughs> um, and Archie and Fred have never been more distant. We just need to keep it that way. Hermione? Not exactly excited about this. Oh, yeah. Because she's saying, you've done that to me and our daughter. Uh-huh. How dare you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's part of what's happening with her. We cut to the blue and gold offices, and Jughead has, of course, shared what's going on to Betty. Uh, Jughead says there's no way that this is legit, and Betty's like, yeah, but it is a legit threat, um, but it's definitely not from the real Black Hood. And I love this reference. No, this is classic Phantom of the Opera tactic. Mystery man sends menacing note demanding a certain diva soprano gets recast or else. 
That's a nice Phantom of the Opera. Who's to say it's a mystery man at all? Dun, dun, dun. Also, just for the record, I hate Phantom of the Opera. Uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber sucks. The end. <laughs> I'm going to get so much hate for that one. It's Ever- okay. We'll argue about it later. Everybody really liked Jesus Christ Superstar. What are you doing, Diana? Stephen Sondheim is a million times better. I will fight you. Oh, and now we get bad Betty Drew. Betty Drew, you are much better at this. You are. Than, than what you're doing. She's here. out of practice. I guess. Hey, Ethel, what looks good? Ugh, looks like someone's picked all the M&Ms out from the trail mix. That's that's terrible. It's probably Cheryl. I mean, she's always taking things she shouldn't, like the role of Carrie <laughs> from you. Oh, my God. And the only way she gets a lo- get gets away with this for as long as she does is because she's actually talking to Ethel. <laughs> and I love Ethel Barb. But sometimes she's a little on the dumb side. I mean, he said we did sex stuff. (laughs) Oh, episode two. What's even better is Jughead trying to film through the windows. Uh, Well, in this scene, Ethel reveals that she feels like she was born to play Carrie. And so she and she wasn't even given a shot. So she was angry about it. Uh, but yeah, and then Jughead is being a bad sleuth. And she's like, you know, what's going on? And oh, he's just shooting B-roll. And Ethel sees right through that. And she goes, I don't know what you're trying to get me to admit, but I'm not a violent person. And for the record, any record, I would never do anything to threaten or harm anybody for my own benefit. Ever. Doesn't mean it's not for another higher moral good. I can see where the ransom note came from Ethel. There are MacGuffins aplenty in this episode. It's all about misdirection in this episode. Well, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now we cut to Pops, and Alice walks in, and she is hot to trot. She is there to get some FP. What's happening, handsome? Just bussing tables. I just finished rehearsal. I'm in the high school musical. Can you believe it? Maybe we come by and check it out. And FP is just like, I'm working, Alice. Sorry. And Alice is instantly incredulous, and she's just like, Wow, really? This old act again? You know what's funny? I was afraid our kids were going to make the same mistakes we did, but turns out we're the ones making them all over again. And she storms out. And FP just kind of goes, I'm so mad. I'm so mad at the writers for this. Yeah. We set up, we set this up in in the last scene and in the first 10 fucking minutes Mm. of the episode. Nope. I was annoyed, but the more I think about what's happening, I was just like, no, this is very much, let's tangle the web. Let's tangle it here, because it's more interesting later on that way. <sighs> I didn't like seeing Hal again, but... Here's here's my problem, uh-huh. is that you did this at the end of last episode, uh-huh. and now at the beginning of the next one after this hiatus, all of a sudden you throw the monkey wrench in. Okay, well, Give us one episode with them. One! And then we can complicate it. Oh, we're totally going to get a flashback episode of the the adults at some point. I really, it needs to happen in season three, like early season three. They're bad. Oh, by the way, we have officially been picked up for season three. We don't know for how many episodes, but it's happening. We have to see the the parent flashback episode early in season three. Like episode three, we should have it because it needs to happen to explain some shit. Well, that's fine. It's just this thing of like, why did you why did you even bother setting up this arc if you were going to knock it down that fast? I, I don't think they've knocked it down. I just uh, think they've made it more complicated. Because again, here's the thing. FP's married. He's not divorced. She's living somewhere else. 
but we know she's coming back. Well, okay. My my problem is is there's not enough setup and there's literally no time for us to actually see them get to a weird awkward point. No, I, I need there to be a reason why it's suddenly awkward there's between. There's too them. many missing scenes between them. Yes. And there's too much backstory that we don't know about. Which is why we could just have like one episode with them in a normal arc and then complicate it and then bring this around. So we cut back to rehearsal and Kevin's talking to Josie and Cheryl and he's explaining that, you know, in this scene, gym teacher Mrs. Gardner, which is being played by Josie, um, is being a friend to our girl who has none out of sheer kindness. And Josie's like, I'll fake it as best as I can. And Kevin's just like, okay. (laughs) So they start singing and Cheryl goes, stop, stop, stop. And Kevin says, Cheryl. I'm the only one that's allowed to stop. And Cheryl just goes in just like, you know what? I don't want to be singing a song about friendship when you hate me. And she's talking to Josie and she just says, look, I know I was nuts, um, but I was dealing with some shit and I'm sorry and I need you to forgive me. But here's what killed it for me. Mm -hmm. I was dealing with some Carrie White level stuff. Yeah, it's Ugh. it's just bullshit the way they wrote this. And so then they start singing, you know, and it's a song, you know, to unsuspecting hearts. And it's super cheesy. And I'm just like, this happened too fast. Oh, everything's fine between them. This... Even though, even though uh, Josie was literally fucking scared for her life. Yeah, and this shouldn't have happened in rehearsal. They sh- What should have happened, the better way, was that they start singing the song, maybe Cheryl starts crying and she runs off. Or maybe Josie just gets pissed and walks off. And then Cheryl runs after her, they're in another room, maybe, you know, maybe they're in a dressing room, and they have it out. They sit down and have the conversation. Like, look, I was going through some horrible shit, and I know I freaked you out, and it, it wasn't good. Uh, It's like, but I need you to forget me. Because what she's saying is fair. Yes. And I believe that Josie, if she was confronted in a non-stupid way, would be relatively quick to forgive her. But it's a musical episode. I know. And theater can heal all problems. That is a load of shit. Oh my God. Shit. I have a degree that says otherwise. Theater only amplifies the drama that's already there. But Fangs is just a gog at the scene. And I'm like, I love you so much, Fangs Fogarty. Fangs didn't get to do a lot, but he did a lot of reacting and it's all wonderful. So props to you. Well done. Yes. Yes. We cut over to the Pembroke and Hiram's like, Veronica, Mia, I noticed the firebird was parked in the Pembroke garage. Is there a problem with it? And, you know, we just kind of have this whole like... Veronica explains what's going on. Uh, she walks off and and Hiram is like, Ah, oh, cheers, me, Alma. In keeping with this week's theme, I've had another wicked idea. And Hermione's drunk. Okay, whatever, honey. Whatever, fucker. More wine. So now we're back to uh, dress rehearsal. And this is the song that I think is actually the most fun to watch. And one of the better written songs. Okay. It's, it's The World According to Chris. Camilla sounds wonderful, and she is selling the shit out of this. Mm, but not her voice. No, I think she sounded great. It's the dubs. The dubs. The dubs every, are not great. On every song, it threw me off, except for one moment, which I will talk about. But every time, it threw me out, and I didn't care. I just was like, I, I don't believe that you're singing at all. 
Well, no, they don't know how to. They don't know how to lip sync. That's a that's a different skill. The choreography is great. It, nope. Oh, you're wrong. You cannot do that on a high school stage. You can't pull it off. There's too much sex going on in that song. I have a to video possible. to show you later of how mm. wrong you are. Oh, that is not. No. Oh. That would never fly when I, where I was at school. Never. You could not do that kind of choreography in a high school musical. The parents would have a fucking conniption. Well, they're in up the Northeast. In a tiny town. I, it would have flown. It would have flown because... I have a video to show you. <laughs> yeah. Different different places, different schools. I totally yeah. get it. But it's it, that that part was just like, this is not even normal. But okay, so she, she sings this song. She does great. She finishes. And Fangs is just like, <sighs> googly eyed. And Kevin is just like, Veronica, I am obsessed with Everything that just happened. <laughs> Veronica's like, well, you know, it does help to be off book and in costume. And Betty is not having this shit. She's this whole time. She's been making like, what the fuck faces at Veronica? Which is how I felt watching the song. And Betty's just like, don't be so modest. You're the literal embodiment of Chris. Never has a role been so perfectly typecast. And Jughead sits up with his camera. like, And oh, everyone's shit. like, what's happening? What's going on? Veronica, like, cocks her head, like, like excuse me? And Betty's just like, think about it. Spoiled rich girl. Check. Major daddy issues. Check. Bad to the bone, trying to control everyone, including her boyfriend and best friend. Check. 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 Uh... And Fangs is extremely worried. He's like, oh no! <laughs> why, why are the sisters fighting? Oh my goodness! He's a little bit Jonathan Van Ness from Queer Eye for the Street. <laughs> like, he's a little bit in that moment, and Good. I adore it. Good! I, I, I'm, I, we just discovered Queer Eye on Netflix, and I'm obsessed with Jonathan Van Ness. Mm-hmm. He needs to be my best friend. Strug to funk. <laughs> that struggle to function. <laughs> I, I, I can't. It's the best. Now we cut to Archie and Betty. They're at a costume. They're sitting in the audience seat. And Archie's like, why are you so mean to her? Uh, Like, you have no idea what she has to deal with, how intense things are at her home, how much pressure she's she's under. And Betty looks at him and is like, okay, explain it to me so I can understand. So I can let all of this go. And Archie kind of does it like, well, uh, it's not for me to say. But, you know, she forgave you when the Black Hood was having you do all your shit. Oh, Dunk, Archie made a good point. I know. And he's just like, so who should really be playing Chris and who should be playing Sue? Um, Which that was the that was the one line too far. But yeah, Archie made a good point. It's just like, you know, you did some shit, too. So Kevin looks at them and says, like, uh, Betty, Archie, are you ready to run Tommy and Sue's love ballad? I mean, Kevin's full on in director mode. Like, he's not paying attention to anything. He's just like, (laughs) I have uh, a show to do. Let's do the love ballad. And so everyone's uncomfortable. So Archie and Betty are on stage singing this love song called You Shine. And so it starts off with Archie talking about how amazing Sue is and... Jughead's uncomfortable watching this. Which is fair. Totally. Betty's head, though, is in another place. Yeah. And so, you know, Archie does this first verse and then we cut to Betty going to talk to Veronica. And, 
you know, Veronica's just like, you know, Betty, if you're here to rip me again, I agree with uh, what you said back there. If anything Chris has illuminated, it's that I've been a terrible friend. And Betty's like, I couldn't disagree more. And she starts singing her part of the song, You Shine, to Veronica. And this is such bullshit. This was so forced. I'm fine with them making up. I'm fine with them making up of this song. But what should have happened was later when they're in the dressing room, they kind of talk some things out. And then we see them within the show sing this song and we know that they're okay. That was the better way to craft. If you wanted to use this song to make that point, fine. But this wasn't it. This was horrible. I, I really liked what they did here. I thought it was really good. We don't agree on anything today. No, we don't. It's those damn musicals. I song is bullshit. I like song is bullshit. So here's what I will say. I think I don't know that Betty is in a place where she's actually like forgiving Veronica. I think Betty is basically taking the you know what? I don't want to fight about this shit anymore. And that's how it felt to me. Then the song starts going and they buy into it together. This is some bulldog bullshit. I thought it was bulldog awesome. So there you go. You're wrong. (laughs) All right. So we cut to, uh, it's not really the auditorium, but the scene shop in the auditorium. Fred and Archie are working together and Hiram walks in. He goes, oh, I just came by to check on the progress of the show I'm producing. And lo and behold, Fred Andrews. Barf. You know, and Fred is just like, I'm just donating my free time, Hiram. Hiram is just here to stir the pot. Uh, he asks Fred if Archie has taken him in a spin in the new Firebird. I got it for him for all the help he's given me. And Archie's trying to stop this. And Hiram's just like, you know, young man never forgets his first car. And he starts to walk away. And like, this is just the biggest dick move ever, Hiram. And But it uh, makes sense for Hiram. Yeah, no. It's it's exactly what Hiram wanted to do. And so Fred starts to leave and Archie's going after him. And he's just like, it's not a big deal, Dad. It's not. And <laughs> it's just a car. And Fred just goes, just a car. Did I raise you to be that spoiled? Archie's just like, Dad, this doesn't have to be a big deal. And Fred, damn it, Fred. Breaking my heart. It's like, it is to me, son. I was planning on us going to the junkyard and picking out an old jalopy. And we could have fixed up like me and Grandpa Artie did with my first car. And he cracks at Grandpa Artie. Grandpa Artie and the jalopy. I've been begging for the jalopy since season one, episode one. And I'm so glad they did it, but oh, fuck you, Fred. Oh, Grandpa Artie. Grandpa Artie. (laughs) Right in the heart. Right in the heart. Oh, man. Damn you, Fred Andrews. Alice is alone and sad and calling Chick on the phone. Honey, I'm sure you're probably still upset with me but i still miss you and i'm worried about you and i love you chick please call me when you can it's sadless it's sadless yeah sure uh (laughs) betty walks in on on alice calling chick and alice is just like you know i don't he won't return my calls and i don't he you know i don't blame him for what i did um and betty is thinking and so now we cut back to the auditorium and kevin's freaking out he's like jughead the sandbag was an accident and the letter was a prank, right? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Why? Well, that's what I thought, but then I found this in my locker. Another letter from the Black Hood. This is your last warning to replace Cheryl. Next time, the sandbag won't miss. So, on top of everything, Kevin Keller's got a Black Hood problem. 
He's got a black hood problem. Uh, we cut to the hallway and Kevin is talking to Cheryl and he's just like, you know, it's a matter of your safety. I have to recast the role of Cheryl. I will not succumb to thespian terrorism and allow myself to be ousted from this production. <laughs> thespian terrorism. Uh, she goes on to say that, you know, after the fires I've walked through, Kevin, the world needs to see me on that stage. A dark phoenix reborn in the spotlight. And Penelope walks in and is like, well, that'll have to wait, Cheryl. I'm so sick of her. I'm I, really just, just done with her character. I am, but she plays evil so good. She's really good at being evil. She, I love. She's a horrible see you next Tuesday. I love it. But the problem is, is her evil at this point has become so boring. There's no payoff to it. No. So that's why it's annoying. Yeah. No, I no, I get you, but I love it. I love her being evil because she's really good at it. I do. It's like Cheryl being quippy and bitchy. She's just, good at it, I so just, it's fun. I love Cheryl's response of like, you just feast on broken dreams now, huh? Yeah. Uh, Penelope reminds him that you know, if you want to do the show, you have to have my permission. And uh, she goes, playing a murderous telekinetic teen who kills her mother, please. This matricidal revenge fantasy, never going to happen. I mean, at this point, That's... Kevin's just like, I'm out of here. Like, at one point, Kevin tries to get up and Cheryl, like, shoves him down. And Kevin's like, I don't want to be a part of this. This is too much. This is intense. I'm a teenager. <laughs> Can I be a child right now, please? Oh, thank you, Kevin. <laughs> So we go back to the auditorium and they're all sitting in their trust circle. <laughs> and Kevin goes, due to some unforeseen circumstance. Fangs touches his shoulder. And, and, and Kevin puts his hand up to Fangs' face. Like, let me get through this, man. Let me do it. It's going to be okay. Cheryl will no longer be playing the role of Carrie White. <gasps> grumble, rumble, rumble, grumble. Uh, let's just say that Penelope Blossom isn't much of a stage mom. Uh, and then he looks over to Tony and says... I think Cheryl's by the gym bleachers, which is really sweet because I like that he knows Tony wants to go comfort Cheryl. And Tony's gone. She's yeah, gone. She's up, gone. In the meantime, Cheryl's understudy will assume the role. And Ethelbar is like, understudy? Because she's smiling at this. Because she's thinking, oh, it, this is my chance. And Kevin says, I appointed one after the sandbag incidents. Everybody, Midge Clump. Hey, Midge gets, like, a purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Sure she does. Mm -hmm. We cut over to the bleachers, and, okay, so somebody in the Reddit pointed this out, and they said that Madeline revealed this in one of her videos. Cheryl is wearing Tony's clothes. Oh, uh, yeah. Cheryl wouldn't have gone home. So, yeah, she's definitely been grungier. Um, the skirt she's wearing in that first scene is definitely one we've seen, the the red plaid skirt. It's one we've seen Tony wear before. So that's going on. And I was like, oh, that's really sweet. And I kind of love that. Cheryl's just like, I don't even care about the musical. I just wanted to prove everyone that I'm still me, but maybe I'm not. And, uh, you know, Tony's just like, you just got to show your mother who's in charge. And Cheryl says, you know, I don't know if I can anymore. I'm not the same girl who, th who burned down Thornhill and cut off her oxygen. <laughs> and uh, Tony just goes, you are. <laughs> uh, you're not done playing Carrie, Cheryl. Not by a long shot. And then Cheryl, Cheryl gets an idea. And so now we get something really depressing and sad. Alice comes out dressed like a nun. <laughs> And she's singing uh, Stay Here Instead. And, you know, everybody's watching and she's starting to get really emotional while she's singing. And Betty's starting to, like, 
be a little concerned. She's like, I haven't seen this from my mom. Like, what what's going on? And the lyrics go on and Alice is singing, you know, Carrie, 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 you are the love I was betrayed for. My pride, my shame, my Betty were one and the same. Don't go, don't go. You can see Betty and Alice like looking at each other. And Machen and Lily are amazing in this scene. Alice just kind of breaks down and says, don't leave me, Betty, don't leave me like all the others. And they run off. And and we get an amazing Kevin Keller moment. Am am I directing a a train wreck? Where's my tea? And Fangs is about to take a sip of it. It's just like they're both. I need more Fangs and Kevin. God bless it. Uh, so Betty catches up with Alice in the hallway and uh, she's like, Mom, I'm not going to go anywhere. And Alice is just like, you know, everything's crumbling. I've lost everyone. But oh, no, I didn't actually lose them. I drove them all the way. I gave my son away when he was born. And then I did it again. And your father isn't living here because of some unspoken thing. And you and I have never been so afraid. And so then they hug. And I really like that whole unspoken thing. We know the unspoken thing. It's ridiculous. But I love these two together. I do, too. They're so good. And then we get cut to uh, Betty's video where she's she's talking to Jug and she's like, you know, my mom's always been a woman on the verge, but this, I have to do something to help her Jughead, something to make her feel less alone and abandoned. Yeah. We cut back to the auditorium. Kevin comes in. He's like, guys, the programs are in and they look amazing. Make sure you get them signed. Uh, and we see that the back of the program has a big ad for Hermione for mayor. And Archie's just like, ugh. And then Archie sees his dad and he goes, what are you doing here? And Fred says, I got to get the sets loaded. And what? You didn't think I was going to do this? Think I was going to quit? It's not the way I roll. Yeah. And... I, I love that. Because, Fuck yeah, Fred Andrews. Because Fred's got integrity. It's just like, I don't quit just because you and I are fighting. And I also love that whole, like, I'm the adult here. <laughs> like, that's the subtext. Like, you're a child. I'm the adult. <laughs> because, you know, that doesn't happen enough on the show. Right? Uh, and now it's time for Archie's interview video. And he says, you know, when Kevin came to me about Carrie the Musical, he said I was the literal embodiment of Tommy Ross. Loyal, selfless, a hero, a force for good. But I'm I'm none of those things. I'm not a hero of any story. Like, and lately I've been going down this dark path and I've been ignoring how much it hurts my dad. This is the KJ we love. This is what we've been needing and what we've been feeling is missing. And so Archie shows up for his date with Hiram in the study. <laughs> and he's like, um, Mr. Lodge, there's something I get off my chest. Uh, you may be the boss. But please don't try to get between me and my dad. And he takes keys out of his pocket and he goes, "Uh, because I promise you, sir, that is a battle you will lose every time. And he puts uh, and he's like, so thank you for the firebird, but I won't be needing it anymore. And he puts the keys on the desk and walks away. And I'm just like, fuck yeah, Archie. Uh huh. It's like, uh huh. uh -huh." And Holmes like, hmm, this is a wrinkle. It is, but it's good. Hiram gets it. Hiram respects him for it, I think, more I, than anything. I think he respects him for it, but I think he also kind of goes, I pushed too far. I pushed too much. I embarrassed I embarrassed your dad in front of you, and that was too far. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so now we're at the Cooper house, and Alice and Betty are sitting down to eat, and they look at their food, and Alice is like, it's opening night. We're too nervous to eat. And she gets up to take the food away, and Hal walks in. Fuck off, Hal. 
and he has flowers and Betty, you know, he's got a big bouquet and a little bouquet and he gives a little one to Betty. And she's like, thank you. It's <laughs> like, you're welcome. She's, and being, she's being a 10 year old. Yeah. She's, she's been a little girl getting flowers from her daddy. Uh, he, he goes towards Alice. She goes, I'm allergic to peonies, but how would you know that? We've only been married for decades. And so he stands there. And he's awkward. like, I don't know what to do. And Betty's like, I will take these away because this is awkward <laughs> as fuck. <laughs> yeah. And Hal says, I'd really like to come home if you'll have me, which is so fucking stupid. Uh, and then damn Alice it, is Hal. like, but I do like that, that Alice says, you know, if we do this, there can't be any more secrets between us, which means Betty. Yeah. yeah. Uh, can you give us a moment? Uh-huh. And so she leaves. And then we, we see Hal kind of like nervous. And so we cut to them sitting at a table. And Hal just says, you know, to be honest, I always suspected that Chick wasn't mine, but I don't care. I want to come back. Um, Our secrets can't hurt us anymore, but we can be together again. And he takes Alice's hand. And Alice's hand, she has black nail polish on. And I don't think we've ever seen that before. Because I think she had started, you know, I talked a little bit before her makeup had gotten darker. She had the wavy hair. And she was starting to embrace that south side portion of her life so this is gonna be a problem i'm so fucking mad about this i I shouldn't i I shouldn't but i'm so pissed off the thing is it doesn't make sense with hal because hal was so adamant about wanting to get out and then there was all the blossom money shit and so it's just and he was sleeping with penelope and it's just like there's another agenda here and i don't know what it is and i don't care and also fuck you for pulling this shit about chick again like seriously i'm okay i'm glad that it is a like hal officially knows that chick is not his so whatever the real story that they haven't given us yet about it because we it's a piece there's no way alice doesn't officially know who the father is at if it's the, not chick if it's this, not hal at this point i don't care yeah i i don't care because this is I just have, I have lost the will to care about this story, and it's an important story. I know. Yeah. No, I get it. It's just I. <sighs> I don't like bringing. I don't. I didn't like bringing him back for this because I don't like how. Our secrets can't hurt us anymore. Whatever. <sighs> you better die by the end of the season. That's Damn all I'm it. Hell. Say. Uh, we cut over to Andrew's house, and Archie is leading his dad into their garage, and he's like, "Don't you have a show to get ready?" And Archie's like. Yeah, but this couldn't wait. And he pulls a tarp off of an old car. It's the jalopy. It's the jalopy. And he says, like, I, I gave back the Firebird and I sold some of my music stuff so I could buy this off a of junkyard, Steve. It needs a lot of work, but I'm up for it. And Fred's just, Fred's just about to cry. He's like, oh, you better get going, Arch. Uh, I don't want to be late. And when Fred cries, I cry. And oh. it's horrible. And I hate you. And Luke Perry's amazing. It was the best thing ever. <laughs> A jalopy. Fred, okay. Fred and Archie love each other. <sighs> and Fred is officially the best parent again. Uh-huh. Okay, now we get to a terrible song. <laughs> oh, yeah. The song is horrible. I don't know what it's called and I don't care. But... I do love that everybody's getting ready for the show and singing in their dressing room because this totally happens. True. Uh, Kevin's got that adorable retro tux on, which, uh, and I like that Moose says we better get laid to Kevin. Where Midge butts in. And You've Kevin's, been saying that since the seventh grade. And well, but I like Kevin's face towards Moose when he says that is like, I'm not playing this game with you, Moose. Yeah. Yeah, which I love. I love that. 
Uh, so yeah, this is just fun. We um, see the lease posters everywhere. Yeah, all the musical posters, and I, we just we just see all the it's the backstage fun and excitement of a show, and I think the choreography is cute. I really like that. Alice is in the room doing her hair too, but she doesn't join in the dancing because that's that wouldn't happen. No. So I li- I like that. This felt very genuine and fun. Then we cut to Thistlewood. Cheryl is in the prom dress. She's in the the Carrie prom dress and she's got a bucket. Uh And we hear a door open and we see Penelope and she goes, Claudius, is that you? (laughs) And we see Cheryl holding a candelabra covered in blood. Fuck yes. Do you know whose blood this is, mummy? And, and she's, it's the Carrie theme behind it. The real Carrie theme. She's like, this is Jason's blood. This is daddy's blood, and the next blood to be spilt will be yours. Okay, she's way more intense than that. She's very crazy. Well, but she's like, she's full on like, I got you, bitch. Don't fuck with me. Yeah, so basically she gets in Penelope's face and is just like, "You, I know what you did. I know what you're trying to do, but you're done. If you fuck with Nana Rose again, I will end you. I burned one house down. I'll happily burn down another. And she puts the candelabra in Penelope's face, which totally freaks her out. And I love Penelope's nightmare child. What do you want from me? (laughs) It's so overwrought. But Cheryl says, I want to be emancipated. I want Thistle House all to myself. So you better start packing. You and Uncle Claudius are pig people. You should live amongst the pigs. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. Great. In the blood, yeah, the dripping on her face with the can- with the fire. I was just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is how I want Cheryl all the time around her mom, like, around her mom. Yes, everybody else she gets to be normal. She needs kid. to not be a bitch to everybody else. But around mom, you get to be as crazy you, as you fucking want to be. You go in for the kill. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now we're back at the auditorium. It's 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 the night of the show. Hermione is shaking every single person's hand. Yeah, she's you know doing the hello, thank you, good to see you, la 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 la. Oh. Huh. And then, you know, Alice has has ducked out of the curtain and she's saying hi to Hal. She goes, Hal, come here. And Hal is, you know. Hal has her her purse. Yeah, he's meeting her at the curtain. And FP has walked in to see the show and he sees this. He gets sad and he leaves. I just want FP and Alice together, damn it. So then we have a whole lot happening. We see Sheriff Keller is walking around backstage. You know, did you bring it? Ten minutes to places. Uh, Kevin's looking for Fangs. Where's Fangs? And oh, I don't know. And then he opens the door to Midge's dressing room and Fangs is there and they like scatter from each other. And Fangs is like, I was giving Midge some last minute notes. And then like when they start to leave, they're both kind of like pretending to do something else. So something's going on in that dressing room. I think I think Midge probably knows that Moose is gay. Like that's part of that conversation. Like so, Ooh, some, something like that is happening. Uh, Jughead is like Ethel. You know, hey, I'm doing final interviews, and he goes into Ethel's dressing room and he looks in her trash can and he sees a bunch of magazine clippings and he goes, "Well, QED, folks, it was Ethel." And Ethel comes in and is just like, "Oh, those are just the magazines." Uh, I I know what you're thinking, but you're wrong. Those are for my vision board. Well, okay. She doesn't say it that suspiciously. She does. Here's the thing. I know. I bought her as totally solid. Like, Mm -mm. you're wrong, buddy. I think she sent one of those notes. Nah, I don't think so. I think she did because who else knew about the letters? The ransom notes. We know Jughead and Betty knew because Kevin told Jughead and Jughead told Betty. But did he tell the rest of the cast? A what he didn't tell anybody until after 
uh, he uh, recast uh, Cheryl. Let's get there. Okay. She kicks him out of the dressing room. And Jughead's like, sounds like a guilty conscience to me. And then Moose. Uh, is just like, oh, hey, Moose. And Moose just runs right in. She's like, get out of my way, Jones. So Moose is pissed. See, I think part of that whole scuffle is Midge has found out about Moose's other activities. Uh-huh. I don't know if Kevin now knows, and that's why he's being like, Where's Fangs? Because maybe Fangs told me. I don't know. But that, I think that's what's happening there. All of that's getting figured out. Yeah. Which would make sense. Uh, And then we cut to uh, Betty and Veronica, Archie and Chuck are doing vocal warmups. And, you know, this is where I feel like this is where Betty and Veronica should have made up. Uh, Veronica says, you know, Chuck, let me speak for the whole group when I say that your behavior throughout rehearsals has been nothing short of proper Victorian gentlemen. And Chuck's like, "Uh, what does that mean? (laughs) <laughs> uh, and she's your pariah ship is officially over uh and then in walks chick hey buddy hey buddy oh chick you made it and he goes of course i wouldn't miss it for the world she's fucking scared she's a little freaked out by this well except that it looks like she might have invited him yeah i think she invited him but she didn't expect him to be there kevin calls places or he goes five minutes to places you should get back to your spot chick you're really not allowed to be backstage and chick just says no problem. Break a leg, sis. So, you know, creepy chick being creepy. Like That's what do. chick does. So then we get, we're in the show. The show is happening and Alice is on stage and she is singing. She's got Carrie locked in her closet because, you know, that's where she locks her to punish her for her sins. And uh, she's singing about, you know, uh, I, I know she won't understand, but maybe she'll forgive me. And so she goes, all right, Carrietta, it's time to come out of your closet and the the wall with the closet door rises. And then we see Midge has been knifed to the actual stage with uh, a note that says, I'm back from the dead. All who escaped me will die. B.H. Uh, uh, it's written in blood on the wall. Yeah. It's so great. Midge is dead. It's so awesome. Midge is definitely I dead. I loved it so much. It was great. Um, in the audience, uh, Cheryl is sitting next to Kevin and being like, did you reblock the scene? Why isn't she on her knees singing? And everyone's like, uh, I don't think that's a part of the show. Oh my God, somebody help her for God's sakes, help her. And everybody gets up and, you know, we see, uh, we, now we see, uh, Jughead's video footage of the audience, like everybody running and Jughead going, Betty. And we see a clip of uh, the whole audience is in mayhem, but Chick is just sitting there watching what's happening. Uh huh. And then we get Riverdale. It wasn't Chick. No, it wasn't Chick. It I wasn't think, Chick. I think Because Chick, he's a sociopath. That's how a, he would react. Yeah, I, Chick is just conditioned to craziness is happening. I'm just going to sit here and do nothing. Because every other time we've seen craziness, he is literally doing nothing. He's sitting there. So yeah, I mean, it's not Chick. Okay, so here's why I don't think Midge sent those letters. I think both letters are connected. Mm-hmm. I think the reason to get Cheryl out of the scene uh-huh. was not that they wanted to kill Cheryl. They, he they wanted, wanted to, to kill, kill Midge. Midge. Yeah, okay, so the whole... No, I totally understand all of that. Um, I think Ethel sent the second letter, not the first. But why? Well, that actually does make sense because it's a it's more weirdly forceful with less emotion involved. Because the second letter, nothing happened to anybody. The first letter came after the sandbag. I think Ethel was like, oh... Somebody doesn't want Cheryl on stage, but I want to be on stage. So Ethel isn't, was never a target of the Black Hood. No. Midge was. So yes. Midge, Moose, and Betty all have targets on their backs. Yeah. 
um, which is why Jughead instantly goes, Betty. Oh, yeah. We hear him. Yeah, that's the last thing that we hear. But I I still think there's a chance Chuck is full sociopath here because here's the thing. Crazy ass motherfuckers like that Mm -hmm. can hide so well in plain sight and go through this. I'm rehabilitating myself and I'm trying to make myself better so they can blend in and get his fucking revenge. And and we've been talking about that. There's these these five guys involved in the murder from the past. Mm -hmm. What if he's related to one of them? What if he's the son? No. What if the football coach was involved? No. I don't know. I have a real problem with them doing that. Having Chuck be that guy? Uh-huh. Um, because that's a waste of a character that they've spent a lot of time on. They've actually spent more time on his character than they have on Reggie. And Reggie should be a much bigger deal than he is right now. The only thing I can um, think is that there's a deeper backstory they want to get to with him if they did that. I don't believe that for a second. That's um, the only way you could pull Chuck, it off. Chuck is one of the few things that I feel like they've done right. Eh. Um, I mean, he, he did something horrible. He got very much punished deservedly and now he's like i gotta i gotta fix this yeah like he i've gotta redo my image and i i i like that from a like you like you can screw up really really bad and come back from that like it's important to show that to teenagers like i just think it is um and i like that the girls are like okay you're done like you've you've been good like let's just call it over uh, to then for him to be a bad guy is the waste of all of that. It's like bring. It's the equivalent of bringing Hal back. Like, well, this was stupid. Unless, unless. Let's watch the trailer for next time. Okay. So, as per usual, if you don't want to hear us talk about the next time on, you can cut out now. But I would like to invite you all to join our new Facebook group. Hey! So we have our Facebook page, which is where we say, hey, this is our episode that's gone up today. Or, hey, we're taking the week off. Or, whatever. But we've jo- we've created a group. And we'd really love you to join so you can come play with us in this space that we've created. Thank you, Griffin. I couldn't help myself. We just recently saw the Macaroles live and... So now it's sticking. Uh-huh. All right. So after the music, we'll be talking about the next time on. Okay. Well, some shit's going to go down or it better go down. Otherwise, this preview is obnoxious. Sheriff Killer. Sheriff Killer, that's a good one. So the sheriff has a target right on his back again. Yeah. Everybody thinks it's him because he was the only other adult backstage. Correct. No, that's fair. It's fair. We know whoever did this was in that auditorium Mm -hmm. and was backstage, probably. Makes total sense. I really hope the real, real FBI shows up now. Jeez. Uh yeah, so we see probably that. not. Uh, something. Uh, Alice and FP have a conversation, so it's probably Alice telling FP that Chick's their son because now everyone's gonna go after Chick because Chick was there and he's you know the new element. Oh, oh, you came back and now the Black Hood's back, so that's gonna happen. And so Alice is gonna go to FP and say you have to help protect our son at this point. That's what that's that I could see that happening. Uh, yeah. That definitely seems like that's going down. I'm okay with that. That that could be cool. Uh, Archie's running in the street. There's someone in a literal black hood following him, but that's just Andre um, keeping tabs on him for the goons. Lenny and Squiggy. We don't know that. <laughs> that's what I suspect. I don't think it's like the real quote unquote black hood. I just think he's being followed by the, the goons. He's running awful fast in the dark. Betty's got a gun. 
yeah, so some shit's gonna happen, and I like it. Uh, the episode's called Prisoners. Hmm. So there's that. Oh, we go we go back to the Sisters of Quiet Mercy. Oh. Which I love. I really, really like the idea that the Sisters of Quiet Mercy is going to be our season three story, where it'll be the takedown of the Sisters of Quiet Mercy. Because we've had so many connections to them in the first two seasons, it would make sense that they're like the official villain for season three. Well, we'll see. That would That would work well in my brain. I would enjoy that. So yeah. Do you have anything else? What if Polly's the Black Hood? You know, people have 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 given that theory. I'm just thinking now. She lives on this farm. Like I don't, I don't think she's actually the Black Hood, but I could see her living with the actual Black Hood because we we I think it's fair to to decide for sure. The Black Hood is more than one person and knows Betty so well. Yeah. The darkness inside. Yeah, I could see whoever's running the farm are the Black Hood people cuz we think the Black the Black Hood has to be more than one person. It oh, doesn't make sense dude, for not to be. The farm was set up by the five. That would make sense yeah. as a safe, as a quote-unquote safe haven and now they've got all this information and it's a commune and it's ridiculous and stupid and crazy. I mean, why else would you name your kid Dagwood? We uh, have you to have to, to th- be in a cult. <laughs> I mean, that you're in a cult. Call your dad. That's what it is. I mean, that's just what it is. Oh, dude, we have to go to the farm. We have to go to the farm. Field trip. <laughs> all I'm thinking is the True Detective Season 1 finale. Oh, creepy. I <laughs> okay. So I think that's it. All right. Until next time, guys. Hashtag go Bulldogs. Woohoo! Take a moment to review and rate us on iTunes, and for questions and comments, drop us an email at macintoshandmod at gmail.com.